How's it going, you communist son of a bitch? So... Imagine the perfect video store. It would have a great selection, right? Right! Over 10,000 videos. Three evening rentals, so no rush, no hassle. Fast checkout. 24-hour quick drop return. Open late every night. When you rent videos during the week, you have five more nights to catch up on all the movies you might have missed. Isn't that a nice reward for working like a dog? The last time I saw a movie for a dollar, theaters still had balconies for people to neck in. You can buy DVDs starting at $4.99 or rent from 99 cents. Right now, rent Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and Cobra for just a dollar a day each. Well, the perfect video store is popping up all over the country. There's one near you. And, uh, bring your own wheelbarrow. Good evening, ladies and joins. It's your old pal, Kent, here. For a new episode of Block Bastards, with me, as always, is the Karloff to my Lugosi, Brian Lipsitz. Brian, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, Hi. I I'm could use a shower and a good night's sleep, but I'm not going <laughs> to let that get in the way. Well, then, uh... <laughs> <laughs> so uh do you want some small talk or should we get right into it we've got quite a bit of stuff to talk about so we can just get right into it if you all want all right well i will start with my recommendation then don't hesitate to ask your video retailer for suggestions what would you get for a six-year-old boy who chronically wets his bed in addition to the movies you already know he can recommend many lesser known films you're bound to enjoy they never rent quality flicks. They always pick the most intellectually devoid movie on the racks. All right. My recommendation for this week is another podcast, which is something I do from time to time. And uh, this one is called Blockbuster. Now, what is the Blockbuster podcast? The Blockbuster podcast is sort of a hybrid dramatization and factual storytelling podcast that recounts the time where Spielberg and Lucas were making Jaws and Star Wars, basically. So it's set in the mid to late 70s. It's six episodes long. Each one of them's about a half hour long, although some of that's wasted space or extras or whatever. But it's actually really interesting because they go into like the whole movie brats thing where they were hanging out with Scorsese and Brian De Palma, who... Uh, famously told, asked uh, George Lucas, uh, what is this shit, when he showed him a rough cut of Star Wars. <laughs> uh, and uh, a lot of stuff about John Williams, who comes across very good. I mean, I actually like got a little bit emotional when they get to the episode about recording the music for Star Wars, and that kicks in, and everybody's like, wait a minute, maybe this movie isn't going to be a disaster. So... It's really interesting. They've got people who play most of those folks. There's a questionable Christopher Walken <laughs> impression partway through when they get to uh, auditioning Han Solos, which is fun. I think it's just a really fun way to learn about that period in movie making if you're interested in it the way that I would imagine somebody probably would be if they listened to a show like this one. Cool. Uh, it's funny you mentioned some of that stuff because I'll be going back to it later when we talk about stuff we watch, but um, mm -hmm. it's very interesting. 
big time. I was like, wait, this sounds really familiar. But um, that's cool, though. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. So you can download it for free. It's on Apple Podcasts or any place else that you listen to that kind of stuff. And I listened to it in a day while I was working. So yeah. it doesn't take too long, and it's pretty fun. Cool. All right. So with that out of the way, let's go ahead, go into the break room, have a nice drink of water, and discuss the news of the day. You know who I can do without? I can do without the people in the video store. Which ones? All of them. Ooh, Navy Seals! Glenn Danzig has made a horror <laughs> anthology called Verotica. I'm already laughing. <laughs> it premiered at Cinepocalypse, and it is already gathering a reputation as a horror movie on par with The Room. The only recognizable name in it appears to be adult actress Caden Cross, and by all accounts, the quality does not measure up to the standards of the film she usually appears in. <laughs> Brian, will you be watching Glenn Danzig's Verotica? I don't, I'm so curious. I need to see this movie because it's not so awful. <laughs> I am sorry. I just, just everything about it, just the article is just so ridiculous. Everything I've read about it, and just like, I don't know. Like, I wouldn't expect his a horror movie by him to be that bad, but it, by all accounts, it sounds just like a just. <laughs> Fucking clusterfuck. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. Um, but yeah, like, uh, the original, like you said, um, so I'm reading the original article, and you know, when it came out, and I'm sort of reading, like, I don't know, like the first paragraph, I just see Caden Cross's name, and I'm just like, of all the people, it's the only person I recognize, and I was just like, alright, well, yeah. yeah I can't so remember just, which review it was, but uh, the first one that I saw of it, yeah, her name is just they're in bold print. So. <laughs> it's just like, it's just, so I was just like, you know, hey, good for her for trying to be like a real, not a real, but like, uh, like a, a, a something besides a, a crossover career. Crossover, yeah. yeah she certainly wouldn't be the first person. Uh, no, Sasha but Grace I was certainly like, <laughs> appeared in some mainstream stuff, so. Yeah, but it's just, yeah, and then just some of the pictures from the movie just look so weird bad um yeah and like there's there's some like reality stars in it too what the fuck there's just there's like i was looking at some of the names i didn't really recognize any of them one of them's like an australian model and i don't know and then there's just like the usual comments because i don't know how much people follow the misfits i'm not a fan of their music whatever but i know who they are everyone apparently thinks he's like a massive dick in real life supposedly even their fans like it was just like a bunch of people riffing on well no surprise to make a shitty movie to do the dick like everything like, <laughs> like i don't know it's kind of funny but yeah I, i'm interested to see <laughs> if it ever gets released outside of like film festivals so what's <laughs> so um yeah well, I, I, i'm sure what he said is i've got something to say i made a shitty movie today doesn't matter much to me as long as it makes bread. So. Well, I mean, let's. I honestly let's just because for the fun of it, let's go. So it's basically an anthology horror movie, right? So the three tales it tells because I took notes on this because it's so funny. So the first one is revolves around a woman who mysteriously has eyes where her nipples are, right? <laughs> and at one point, her tears fall onto a spider, which then turns into a humanoid spider person. Out of the point. 
a woman is talking to a spider person separate from the one I just described, who is named Neckbreaker. You can only what ha- you can only guess what happens next. He breaks her neck. That, uh, <laughs> Yeah, see, this sounds less like a horror anthology story and more like uh, something from one of those Holy Mountain or something like that. (laughs) The second story is about a mystery girl who strips for a living and never shows her face. She goes around and murders her fellow strippers to steal their faces, but never shows herself wearing said faces. The acting has been described as porno-esque, and the editing is downright unbearable. Reality star Courtney Stodden appears in this section and gets her face torn off. The last portion of the movie is about a medieval queen who bathes in the blood of virgin girls she executes to stay youthful. This reportedly is the best-slash-worst part of the entire movie. <laughs> oh, Courtney Stodden. Okay, I remember her. Yes. She's the one that married that uh, like 50-something-year-old guy when she was 17 or whatever. Yes, exactly. But yeah, like... I just love the description of the three parts of the movie, and I'm just like, man, this just sounds so awful. <laughs> so there's that. Anyways, that was Veronica with a K. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, speaking of movies that could possibly be awful, well, actually, we, we kind of would know already, because it's been out for over 20 years, the 90s anti-classic Tammy and the T-Rex, which we have discussed on this podcast before, oddly oh, enough about Paul Walker's brain being transplanted into a mechanical dinosaur body, has gone through a 4K restoration and has been re-edited to what is being called its original R-rated gore cut. Yes. Just a reminder that John Wayne's Academy Award winning The Alamo has lost its original elements because MGM let them rot in its vault, but we're getting a 4K restoration of Tammy and the T-Rex. Kent, you have not lived until you've seen this movie. I mean, there's a point where Paul Walker's brain is in, in a tube or a bottle or a glass case, and Janice Richards, when she was, like, 21, has nothing better to do but to strip to try to get the brain to be active. Because and I, So I saw this movie, for anyone who hasn't heard our old, old, I saw this movie on a, a USA up all night back in the... Like, in the firehouse! Yeah. Um, and I had no idea... When you tell me, like, I, when, when we describe this movie... Like, until you see, you have no fucking idea. It's like Roger Corman-esque, but it's so fucking weird that you're just... I remember being whatever age I was in my teens and just being like, what the fuck is this? And I never could figure out what it was, because this was days before we had the internet where you could just look shit up. (laughs) And um, there was no even fucking cable guide, probably. I sounded like it's in the dark ages. But um, yeah, I eventually figured out what it was, and I never was able to really actually like find a real version of it, except the one that was on TV. So And um, and USA would show stuff like those like Fred Olin Ray softcore (laughs) pornos with the nudity edited out. Which kind of so defeated weird. the purpose, and you, if you came in late, you wouldn't know what the hell you were watching. Yeah, like, there was a car wash one that they was just a show that was, like, obviously one of those ones that you're talking about. And, like, it was just like, wait, these girls are just doing car washes in, in, in like, full clothes. It was made no sense. Like, yeah, it was just, the, it, it was ingenious, I guess, at the time. But at the same time, it was so fucking stupid. It, it just of its time. It's so weird to think of it something like that now. If people want to watch anything, they can watch it. But now it's, like... Mm-hmm. It was just like, oh, what's it was like it was on after midnight, so it was supposed to be provocative, but it wasn't really <laughs> back at it. Just knowing that this movie got a restoration while oh. so many others are sitting around God getting vinegar America. syndrome and stuff, it, it reminded me of that John Stewart joke when he hosted the Oscars where he's like, For those of you keeping score, that's Martin Scorsese Zero, three six mafia one. <laughs> <laughs> 
hey man, it's a great time to be alive when Tammy the T-Rex is a potential to be put on Blu-ray in a 4K I'm not gonna. I'm gonna buy it. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> but <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous because I I didn't even know you sent me the article about it. I and I almost like I legit almost lost it because like I had never in my wildest dreams like there's there, like this is worse than there'd be an argument that the Roger Corman Fantastic Four movie is more important to put on 4K. Like this movie has no reason to ever be restored to any sort of cut. What, where's Carnosaur? Like where are all these other awful? Awful, awful crap, crap movies, but like this of all, it's just very strange. Oh, so. dude, if Shout put out a Carnosaur Blu ray set, I would be all over that, like <laughs> flies on shit. I used to rent that from Blockbuster all the time Carnosaur 1, 2, and 3. Uh, got I, I, I want to say they made five of them because Jeez. Roger Corman said it, figured out that each one of them made a little bit less than the one before, so <laughs> if they made five of them, they would all still make money, but if they made six, that one would cost more than it made brilliant oh man but uh, yeah I, th- this is the greatest news we've ever reported on the show just let anyone know like <laughs> le- legit hands down if you want to see denise richards at 21 years old and still can't act and paul walker where he loses his brain like two minutes into the like what, half, 20 minutes into the movie i think he gets killed but not uh-huh. until he's had his junk grabbed by a school bully and in turn grabbed his junk I mean, what else do you do? It's so weird. Uh, Speaking of junk grabbing, uh, Quentin Tarantino is looking to produce, although not direct, a sequel to Django Unchained, in which the former slave-turned-bounty hunter would be teaming up with Zorro. It is based on one of the many, many mashup comics that have come out in the last decade. I have no idea if they would be able to get Jamie Foxx back for it or not, but that's where we are. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's ridiculous because in comics, it's so easy to be like, I mean, I'm using this as an example because they're doing it this summer. Ghostbusters and Transformers, like it's like, that shouldn't work. It's stupid. But in comics, you can make it work. But I don't know. In a live action film, and it's like, you're already, you're damn it. To me, you're damaging Django because it just looks ridiculous when you know it sounds ridiculous. I should say because we haven't seen. But I'm like, going to be yeah. truthful here though, if they got Jamie Fox and Antonio Banderas to star in it, I would be there though. I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, would, I would be. I would bet against that. We have a better chance of Tammy the cheat round. Never mind. <laughs> uh, speaking of questionable casting, we previously reported that it was down to Robert Pattinson and Nicholas Holt. As the new Batman, Warner Brothers has made their decision, and Pattinson is going to be Bruce Wayne. I'm trying to keep an open mind on this, considering how much I liked him in Lost City of Z. I still have my doubts, but what can we do about it now? But, more interestingly, there may be a shit ton of villains in The Batman, leading some to speculate that it could be an adaptation of a story like The Long Halloween, which spends a lot of time in Arkham and goes through a lot of Batman's rogues gallery. What about Arkham Asylum by Grant Morrison? Would that be the worst thing they could do? And I believe it would be, because I guarantee they would do it, too. Have you ever read you know, Arkham Asylum by Grant Morrison? Fortunately, I have not. That's the one where Joker's. Well, I'm not gonna get into it, but uh, it's it's very scratchy artwork, and I know people love it. It's one of like the greatest comics of all time. But it just I could easily see them adapting that because that has Batman getting locked in Arkham with all his villains, and the, the, if this 
My point is, though, if they're trying to make, like, I get it, we've had enough Batman movies, but, like, do we really need to blow the, I'm trying to think of a nice word to say, but fuck it, blow our wad and just use all of his fucking villains in the same movie? Like, uh, it's kind of just like, I get it, but at the same time, you really have nothing else inventive to do except to do that. I mean, in Long Halloween, it'd be different, but I, I don't. They're not going to be able to do a Long Halloween in a two-hour movie. There's no way. And plus, they they'll, they'll screw it up. I they'll definitely know. have to whittle it down. I thought it was going to be like a year one thing, but having all of those villains in a year one would be a bit of a stretch. Well, have you heard about the show Gotham? <laughs> you mean the ones that they took five years uh, and well, I mean, most they, people they didn't had, like it. They had all of his villains show up before he even became Batman. I mean, they had Mr. Freeze and Bane and, and Scarecrow and Joke. There was like 15, and Riddler and Penguin, all... all Egghead, King Tut. Yeah. The Minstrel. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bookworm, he's going to be in the movie. Um, no. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of right. Paul Space. Oh, who was the guy? Uh, Louis, what was, what was the... Uh, Louis the uh, Lilac. Thank you. <laughs> I'm gonna think of his name. Sorry, we're just throwing out '60s Batman TV villains now. Anyways, someone, someone, the Queen of Diamonds, <laughs> Selma, I think. <laughs> right. Have That's I mentioned sense. that I've been watching season two of that on Blu-ray? I finally picked up the set again. Oh, nice! I, yeah, I did the same thing where I like watched half and then I stopped, and I need to like finish it. But I never, I never got to the Eartha Kit Catwoman stuff. So or the mm. Batgirl. So. Uh, but anyways, yeah. moving on from Batman. I've, I've uh, still got to get the original Star Trek on Blu-ray. I haven't done that yet. But You mean the longest, boring, most boring movie? Oh, oh, the TV show. I thought you meant yes, the movie. Yes, the TV show. Although I actually think the first movie is underrated. It's a great premise. It just needs an it's editor. It's just but... long. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's not bad. It's just long. All right. <laughs> yeah. Just a couple more things. Clint Eastwood's next film is going to be about Richard Jewell, the man who found a bomb at the Atlanta Olympics and was then accused of planting said same. <laughs> Olivia Wilde, John Hamm, and Sam Rockwell are all set to be involved. Good I'm cast. not familiar with the guy who's been cast as Richard Jewell, but who cares? I will see it because about half of Clint Eastwood's movies are worth seeing. This is true. And then lastly, we're still not sure what the new Star Wars films will be about in the upcoming trilogy from the Game of Thrones folks, but it's sounding more and more likely that, if not the new trilogy, then at some point after that, there will be a foray into the Old Republic, which is mostly famous for showing up in video games. (laughs) I I am not that familiar with them. I I did not do a lot of Star Wars fanning outside of the movies. Uh, what, are, yeah. what? What's your opinion, Brian? Did you ever play uh, those? I didn't either, and that's the same thing. I know that they're beloved by Star Wars fans, and it's this cool expanded universe part that everyone seems to love, but I, I don't really care either way, so I don't get the hatred or the loving either way, because I just don't yeah. know. So it's one of those things where I'm kind of like, eh, eh, we'll see. Yeah, I I'm, mean... I'm going to be 100% honest. The only thing I was really sad to lose from the expanded Star Wars universe was Mara Jade. Yeah, I'd say most people probably Or um, Grand Grand Admiral Thrawn. Those are probably the two, like, characters that I felt... Thrawn is a really cool character that I don't think really got... wasn't in that... Like, I know a lot of people love the Dark Empire trilogy, but it is really repetitive, and oh yeah, absolutely. And, a lot and of it read, read just, in middle school was repetitive. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people. A lot of it just seems to be recounting the movies. 
Pretty much. It's just a re... It, much like the new movies are doing, they're just a retelling, pretty much, of shit that was already done. Like, hey, look, it's Emperor Palpatine again. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean... Go ahead. Go, no offense. I mean, pretty much. You know what, go, uh, but, yeah. So, I mean, Star Wars is a weird thing, because no matter what um, they do, people are going to shit on it. And I'm, I'm just saying that, like, straight out. Like, uh, it, it, it's at this point where it's become a toxic... Uh, fan base. No one listens to the show, of course, but, um, you know, you can have whatever opinion you want in the new movies, but people are already ready and raring to go. Like, when the next movie comes out, it's going to be fucking bonkers, because people are going to just, like, already, no matter what, it's going to be the worst movie ever made. So, uh, I'm prepared. Well, it is J.J. Abrams, though, and a lot of people love that uh, loved mm-hmm. Force Awakens, so... I think as much people hated it as they loved it, or just were but I, I digress. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, it, it, well, it'll definitely be interesting to see what the reaction will be. It, of course, we probably will fall in the middle like we usually do, but... <laughs> All right, so moving along to coming attractions, let's talk some oh, trailers. And now, here's a preview of the action-adventure hit that grossed $45 million at the box office. Coming soon to a theater near you. Now, if I can only just find a balcony. Uh, Brian, what happens when Warner Brothers takes over Hanna-Barbera and doesn't give a shit about its properties, but wants to beat a Five Nights at Freddy's movie to the public? Well, they take a, a, a beloved, I don't know if it's beloved, but like a weird psychedelic animation live action thing that was on Saturday mornings in the six, late 60s and 70s and turn it into a horror movie. <laughs> Yes, uh, the Banana Splits movie. We are going to the Banana Splits. Sometimes at night, I see the splits riding around in the little cars, laughing and singing. Who's excited to see the Banana Splits? Rebecca, I'm canceling the show. What? Hi, kids. Put on your happiest faces because the Banana Split Show is about to begin. Where are the children? Mom, get out of here. Time's almost up. Why are you doing this to me? Because why not? Which uh, apparently is going to be direct-to-video and show on the Sci-Fi channel, despite the fact that it's owned by Universal. It calls to mind a Mystery Science Theater joke from the episode Pod People, about people methodically being killed off by the banana splits, and it makes me wonder if that's where they got the idea. But, uh, yeah, to be fair, do people remember the banana splits for anything besides the theme song? No, or, like, or just the weird-ass, like, animatro- uh, what was it, Sid, Sid and Mary Croft-like weirdness, but Yeah, it was, like, like, really early Sid and Marty Croft with the costumes, I think, but it's- Yeah. It, the only thing that really ties it to the rest of their work is the fact that they were weird, psychedelic-y costumes from the era, so- Alright, Ken, I have to stop everything, take on us onto a weird sidetrack for one second- so I usually have Wikipedia up when we talk about a certain movie, right? Mm-hmm. So I did not know this is a thing, but under Banana Splits, it says, 
the Banana Splits had a crossover with the Suicide Squad in 2017 in DC Comics Suicide Squad slash Banana Splits number one. Trying to figure out how, who, what, and where. So like, you know what's a great crossover we could do? Banana Splits and the Suicide Squad. Well, yeah. I think this is from that point where DC Comics just did a whole bunch of those. Because I want to say... Didn't they oh, also man. do like Harley Quinn and Elmer Fudd or something? No, it was Batman. Yeah, you're right. It was Batman and Elmer Fudd and like Harley Quinn and like Snagglepuss. Yeah, it was weird. You're right. I, but still, just reading that sentence, I was like, wait, what? So yeah. I apologize. Especially like, since if not, I mean, come on. Obviously, it should have been Suicide Squad and the Hair Bear Bunch. <laughs> but like, uh, back to this actual real thing that's happening. Like you said, I guess it's supposed to be the original script was for a Friday at Freddy's movie. What is Friday at Freddy's? Because I've seen all this stuff and I've always seen the merchants. I don't know what the fuck uh, it is. I've never it played like- it, but it is a video game where you are basically a security guard at a uh, showbiz pizza place style establishment with the mechanical, oh, like, a Chuck e. like a Chuck E. Cheese kind of thing. Yeah, with with the mechanical oh, okay. band, and at night the band uh-huh. comes like roams around the restaurant trying to kill intruders. I mean, that was pretty creepy as a kid, the fucking animatronics at, at Chuck E. Cheese, especially if they broke down, because it'd be like, mm-hmm. and, um, I don't know, it's a weird sound. But at the same time, the Sid and Mary Croft stuff when I was a kid, I was scared of shit of that when I saw it as a kid on, like, Sunday morning, because I didn't know what the fuck it was. Like, H.R. Puffin stuff was just weird. Yeah, I, stuff- I did not see H.R. Puffin stuff. The The one that was around when I was a kid was that they were still showing and reruns was Land of the Lost. See, that wasn't as bad. I remember that, too. That See, one was it creeped me out, though. Like, the slee stacks and stuff. Yeah, like, it was just weird, because it was just, like, you didn't see shit like that anymore, like, back then. You still don't really now, so I'm just like... Well, and uh, the, like, the bad 70s production values actually seemed to add to the effect, it because it just That's makes it thing. more hallucinatory. It did, because, like, and all the stuff was, like, very fucked up, where I'm like... Again, if you probably took some sort of recreational drug, it'd probably be amazing. But, like, yeah, as a kid, you're just like, what is this? And it's, like, the weird, like, the song. And there was another one that was, like, I don't know if it was called But there were stop-motion dinosaurs, so of course I watched it. But, yeah, there's, like, Lidsville or something. Like, there's a lot of stuff that was just all weird, like, psychedelic. uh, Far-out space nuts, I think. Yeah, and I was just, like... It scared me, and I don't know. So, but I remember going out of, but like the banana splits reminded me of that. So, but yeah, I don't understand this, but I mean, at the same time, I guess why not do it because it's Warner Brothers and it's a direct TV movie, so no one's gonna remember it. Like after and six Warner months, Warner Brothers just does not give a shit about the Hanna Barbera properties. So, oh, absolutely not. It's it's sad because as someone, I know we were not the generation that where it was on prime time, but we grew up on the reruns of it. And it's kind of sad that all their stuff now has been basically folded into, like, well, we can team up with our superheroes, or we can do really shitty... Even Scooby-Doo, like, that's barely hanging on, but, like, even that, they made that Scooby-Doo apocalypse, where it was, like, post-apocalyptic, crazy, like, weird shit in the comics now, where it's, like, Jim Lee-inspired art and stuff. It's, like, just weird. So, I don't know. I just... I feel like... Like, the cannibals are gonna (laughs) eat a Scoob! Yeah, like... Freaking Fred is like a cybernetic arm and stuff, and I'm like, I don't understand why, why, why ruin everything? But that's <laughs> their prerogative. Anyway, yeah, well, I, I think it's okay, and I actually have like the first edition of this. It's one of those yeah. perennial favorites on Threadless. 
I gotta be honest, I think that whole thing was probably inspired by a t-shirt that, uh, that was put out several years ago of, like, Velma and Scooby with, uh, the misery machine, and it's like, yeah, like a, it looks like a post-apocalyptic zombie uh, uh, scenario. That's probably where they got it, yeah, that makes sense then. Yeah. No, I could see that then, totally. All right. Well, we've obviously put more thought into this than anyone at Warner Brothers, so let's move on. Yeah. Uh, something that actually looks interesting to me, even though I'm not a car guy, Ford versus Ferrari. How long have we known each other, Ken? I ever break a promise to you? I will put you in the driver's seat at Le Mans. Just shut your mouth and let me do my thing. All right. Come in. Morning, Shelby. Morning, Molly. Up yours. I'll go to hell. And that's it, folks. Ferrari wins the 24 Hours of Le Mans for the fifth consecutive year. Mr. Ford, Ferrari has a message for you, sir. What did he say? He said Ford makes ugly little cars in ugly factories. And, uh, God, you fat, sir. We're gonna bury Ferrari at Le Mans. Yeah, I, I didn't know this was coming out, didn't know it existed. But I like James Mangold, and it's gonna be cast. Matt Damon, Christian mm -hmm. Bale, John Bernthal, uh, anyone else I'm forgetting? I forget there's other people in it. But, yeah, um, again, I'm not a car guy either, but it looks... Okay, it looks okay. Yeah, and and someone who is a car yeah. guy, Adam Carolla, I've listened to his podcast, yeah. and he's gone into like this whole story at different times, and it it's definitely an interesting story that should right. make a, an interesting movie as long as Mangold uh, does his job right. It's interesting, though. Originally, this movie was supposed to come out a couple years ago, and it was originally going to be Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt in the two main roles that Christian Bale and Matt Damon play, so interesting as time goes on and... <laughs> things change but uh, I think I would have preferred Brad Pitt and Christian Bale but yeah. yeah maybe you know just like mix it up a little bit but alrighty so next we've got the next Pixar film it's just a teaser for yeah. Onward hey mom down! Sorry I didn't get a chance to walk her oh bad dragon back to your lair Destiny awaits. Okay, I'm coming, I'm coming. I see you've brought sustenance for our adventure. No, it's garbage for the trash can, and you left the lid off. Oh, shoot. Get out of here. Shoot, get Ugh, unicorns. Yeah, with, I mean, we know Tom Holland is uh, is voice character Chris Pratt, so you've got Star-Lord and Spider-Man already now. <laughs> and Julie Dreyfus and Octavia Spencer. Yeah, it's, I, I don't know what, you see, like, mermaids, trolls, centaurs, gnomes, all the stuff that you said. It's just like, hey, it's magical, and it's coming yeah. out in 2020, so we yeah, don't really know anything more than... Yeah, it doesn't reveal anything about the plot, but the premise is that it's a world in which all of these fantasy creatures exist, but it's basically like a regular suburban existence, except instead of, you know, raccoons, they have unicorns and stuff right. like that. So, yeah, it, 
Uh, it will definitely be interesting. Most Pixar movies definitely take whatever those uh, things that they've got going on and expand it quite well. Like, uh, what's a good example? Uh, Monsters, Inc. Yeah. The way that they built that world and turned it into something really interesting, I think, is a big part of why that movie works. And if they do the same thing with this, I could see it being one of their better films. Yeah, and like you said, you got Tom Holland and Chris Pratt as the two brothers, and uh, so it should be a strong voice. Oh, I, I don't know. I've never really seen, I haven't heard Tom Holland in a voice role yet, but I would assume it'd be pretty good. So. <laughs> All right. Next, we've got the fifth and most likely final film in the series, Rambo, Last Blood. We're dealing with an expert with guns, with knives, with his bare hands. Rambo was the best. I finally came home. Uncle John! To defend the only family I've ever known. Must really want this girl. All she's got is me. She's coming home. You started this. I'll end it. I'm hoping for the best here. I, I think the fourth one is great. I would have been happy with it being the last of the series. But I do think there's definitely something poetic. It, it reminds me of, I, I can't remember what the term is, but uh, in fiction where it goes circle circular and the, the, the end shadows the beginning. I think there's something poetic about how he finally decides he's going to leave war and violence behind and goes home only to have that show up at his doorstep, and he can't even escape it by going home. It, it's like he just can't get away with, away from having to fight people. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because this movie has been in development since the last one came out in 2008, and it, they've gone back and forth. At one point, it was supposed to be a prequel with Stallone directing, and there was all sorts of... And at one point, Rambo Creator was going to be involved, the guy that wrote the book. And um, so it, it's, all, it's gone all sorts of different ways. But finally, we have a release date and a trailer. And yes, the plot is his friend's sister has been kidnapped by the Mexican cartel. So Rambo needs to get his crossbow, I mean, his bow and arrow, and shoot flaming arrows at people again. <laughs> So. Which is not uh, not something that is unwelcome, as far as no, I'm concerned. No, no, um, The guy that is directing it, Adrian Grunberg, I think he's only directed one other thing, and that was Get the Gringo, which I forgot existed. That was the Mel Gibson movie, if anyone remembers <laughs> that. So yeah. we'll see. But. All right. And uh, just a couple more of them here. Yeah. Next, we have yet another movie that is throwing out continuity, except for the first movie or two. In this case, Terminator Dark Fate. Who are you? My name is Sarah Connor. Never seen one like you before. Almost human. I am human. 
care what happens to her. Because I was her. keeping you alive all right so i need to go on a semi-small rant about this because fuck james cameron remember the last time they did a turn movie and he's like this movie i get it i guess they paid i forget that they paid him to say it but he's like this movie is great and it's, so they you know i i know a lot of people hated genesis i didn't hate it i liked it a little bit this just looks you know so now we've got james cameron back and he'd only come back doing producing but he would only come back if they put arnold in it and linda hamilton and I watched this trailer, and it looks like junk, dude. Honestly, I don't care. Like, it's cool to see Linda Hamilton back as the grizzled, ass-kicking... What the fuck is her name? I can't remember her name. I'll be out. <laughs> the character name. Damn it. Um, brain, brain fart. Uh, Sarah Connor. But it's like, I don't... Everything just looks... It's again what... Oh, this time it's only the first two movies, and it's just like... Then what the fuck? Those all are alternate realities. It's like, I don't care anymore. And now we've got all these other people playing other robots and other assassin robots. And I don't, I don't know. I don't, it's, it's, I'm sure it will be fine. We got someone else playing John Connor because Edward Furlong did too much heroin, cocaine. Um, uh, you know, whatever. It's fine. I just, I don't, I'm just sick of the continuous reboots and retellings and i still am kind of i guess i'm still kind of angry at the whole sarah connor chronicles which is a great fucking story and tv show and they had to end it because terminator salvation was going to be the be all end all that was going to start a new trilogy and then that failed then Terminator genesis was going to be the be all end all and start a new trilogy and that failed so now we're back to this again so yeah uh, well first of all i know a lot of folks will say good riddance to the, the remaining sequels but i actually like the third movie Regardless, I don't have that much interest in this one, and I think it's just too little too late. I, yeah, I, like how, how many times can you re do, try to retell the same freaking story of, oh, no, it's Judgment Day. Oh, no, it's Judgment Day. Oh, we've got to... Maybe if Cameron was actually directing this instead of working uh, on his five <laughs> Avatar films... Like it, it has swallowed him like Star Wars swallowed George Lucas right. where he That's just true. like yeah. won't do anything else. Like right. even his passion projects like Alita have just fallen by the wayside as he's yep. done these movies that I don't think anybody gives a shit about. Yeah. You said, I think little too, how many times, it reminds me, I can't think of another franchise I was going to say, but like it's just, how many times can you Halloween. try? yes it's gotten to that point where it's like there's so many the continuity makes no sense there's so many different reboots and retellings and they're all trying to tell the same story but they're all just completely different and it's just like oh but no no this is the real one now because cameron's back and i'm like oh fuck yourself dude he's, not told back. Everyone, he's a producer again but he's back because he wrote the story with david fucking goyer so go figure oh god so whatever. I mean, I, I honestly did not. And it's not just me. I saw the trailer expect with an open mind. I was just like, this doesn't look like anything different than we've seen before. Yes, it's cool to see fucking, like I said, Linda Hamilton back. But other than that, oh, look, it's Arnold with a white beard. Oh, wait, how are they going to explain that he's alive if he died at the end of Turner 2? Oh, it's a different one. Why is he in hiding? I don't care. Like, it's just to that point now. Like, 
don't give a shit. David you know? Goyer is like that little kid that pisses in the pool. <laughs> yeah. And everybody's uh, like, it's a pool. Pools are great. And he's like sitting there with a smile on his face, knowing that you're drinking his pee. It's like, if anyone's in any doubt on David S. Gore, go watch Blade Trinity, which he wrote and directed, and tell me that that's a good movie. Like, that's all I'm going to say. Like, I can't, I, I'm not even going to use the Warner Brothers DC shit anymore. Like, I want, just go watch Blade Trinity and tell me that that's a good fucking movie. Uh, but anyways, uh, regardless, you know, it, it, this is what it is. So, um, it's coming out in September. Can't, I mean, November, I should say. Can't wait, because I didn't even know the date. So. All right. Let's go ahead and hit the last one. Ready or not. believe that in half an hour I will be a part of the Ladomus gaming dynasty empire uh, Dominion we prefer Dominion I honestly can't wait to be a part of your family there's just one more thing and then you are officially part of the family so at midnight you have to play a game why it's just something we do when someone new joins the family a game what game? Hide and seek? Are we really gonna play that? Well, the rules are simple. You can hide anywhere. We then try to find you. So there's no way for me to win, right? I mean, stay hidden till dawn. <laughs> no, thank you. Good luck. What the hell is this? How old is this thing? You shot the maid. Okay, so I asked you what you thought of this. You said it reminded you of Clue, <laughs> and, which is an interesting take and not necessarily incorrect. The first thing that hit me is that it's like you're next and Tucker and Dale had a baby, which means I probably enjoy it. <laughs> and you also mentioned, same thing that I thought, that the lead, who is Hugo Weaving's niece, by the way, I was going to say either daughter or niece. Okay, that's yeah. what my guess was. Okay. Looks so much like Margot Robbie in this right? movie. I almost think if they are, almost want you to think it is, like, you know, that part of, like, weird marketing where it's like, if we don't tell anyone differently, they might think it is and it will help the movie. Because it, she really looks like her. And, it, and like, I don't know. It, it just was weird because until halfway through the trailer, I'm like, well, that's not her, is it? No, that's someone else. <laughs> it was just kind of weird, but it looks okay. It, it, it's one of those Fox searchlight, like low budget hard flicks, per, like the Purge and stuff like that, which is fine. It looks it looks okay. Uh, they may have given away a little too many of the deaths in the trailer for me, like showed too much of the movie, but that is to be expected nowadays. Yeah, it's very like clueish board game, funny, but then like horror, but not like dark horror. So yeah, yeah. It, it looks dark, but it also looks like it's got a really good sense of humor about itself and its ridiculous right. premise. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's got like a bunch of the boring old class warfare stuff in there. But uh, it looks like a one of the more interesting retellings of the of uh what what's the name of the story that they make everybody read in high school the most dangerous game oh i wouldn't even think of that but you're right we did re i did read that in high school but i couldn't think of that it wasn't what i was thinking i was thinking of like a zillion other ones that they make us read but yeah we did read that uh yeah 
<laughs> that's, that's funny. So, well, I'm looking forward to that one. I'll go see it. I guess one last thing about it. Between this and Shazam, I feel like Adam Brody is just kind of taken small parts in whatever interests him, and he probably actually invested his OC money pretty well and just doesn't give a shit. <laughs> I was going to say. He's just like, oh, see, it's like... Uh, what's the joke in Jane Silent Bob Street's back where Gus Van Sant is just sitting there counting his money? It's just like that kind of thing. Like Jesus, Ben, I said I was busy. Yeah, exactly. So it's just like I picture. I mean, again, I don't think. I mean, he probably doesn't have to work, and he obviously isn't too excited. I mean, he's not too picky on what pro. He is being a little bit picky, I guess, on what projects, but it's not like he's doing anything huge. So um, yeah, I think he's okay. Yes, yes. So let's go ahead. Hit the new release wall. So do you have any new movies in? Ask your video dealer about these hit titles. Alright, sadly not so much coming out this month, but I'm going to try to give you some... We'll run through what's coming out, and then I'm going to give you some news. news. Yeah, so uh, good news for the wall, exactly. Well, definitely needed. Week of July 2nd, there's honestly absolutely nothing that I can find that is even worth talking about, with the exception of anime and stuff that I don't think anyone would be interested in. So I don't know. July 2nd, just kind of those things. It's like, well, nothing's coming out. I mean, the new Escape Plan movie with uh, Stallone and and uh, Rampage Jackson and Dave Bautista. But, I mean, <laughs> other than that, I mean. I much um, rather would have gotten A-Team 2, but. <laughs> Come on, Rampage, what are you doing? Uh, July 9th, uh, we've got Mothra, the 1961 uh, Mightiest Monster in All Creation movie. Um, I've got that one on pre-order. We've got This Island Earth, which is also a classic from uh, the, 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 the days of lore. I was going to try to say something else. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> the original Silent Hill movie from 2006. I think that's the first one. I don't know. I know I know they were all bad. But uh, South Factory, Scream Factory, putting that out, I don't know if anyone would want it because it's a terrible, weird movie. Um, but uh, the original Ang Lee Hulk is coming out in 4K, which, again, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, the new... Exactly. The new Pet Cemetery uh, in 4K. You can also get a two-pack with both Pet Cemeteries because one's not enough. Um, the new and the old one, you can compare and contrast. Well, you got to uh, see the. You got to compare the endings. You know. <laughs> of course, Picasso Trigger and Savage Beach are both coming out July 9th, which are the next two in the um, Andy Sedaris collection. Um, Johnny Depp, The Professor, which I have no idea what that is, but I'm just going to leave it there. Oh, that I, I saw a trailer for this. This oh, no. is Johnny Depp uh, pretending to be Robin Williams, where oh, he's no. a professor who is diagnosed with cancer, and he finds out his wife is cheating on him, so he just says fuck it and decides to live life the way he wants. Oh, God. Fuck Johnny Depp. Has there ever been anyone else that's been, like, on a downward spiral more than that guy? Anyways, uh, moving on. The Buster Keaton Collection, Volume 2, Thunder Bay, which is a James Stewart movie from 1953. Nice. um, Which is getting a new release in Blu-ray. Um... Lonesome Dove from 1989, which is the movie that started the TV series. If people remember that TV series, I don't know if they do. Oh, God. My brother watched that miniseries over and over. It was one of those uh, two VHS sets. That's funny. That's funny. 
the Great Northfield, Minnesota Raid, uh, which is an old Clint, we, uh, 1922 Clint Eastwood movie, Jesse James, and it's like, I don't know. Moving on to July 16th, we've got Shazam coming out in every format you want, including um, 3D exclusively on Amazon, I believe. Is it that is that correct? or is it just... uh, I don't know if it's exclusive or not, but, it, but that is the version 3D. that I pre-ordered. Yeah, it's on 4K, it's on Blu-ray, there's a steelbook, there's a 3D version, everything people could want. Also, there is really nothing else coming out that week except that movie The Moon, or just Moon, I should say, is coming out on the 4K. The one? Yes. Which is a great movie, but it's coming out on 4K. The Ronald Reagan movie from 1953, which is a western called Law & Order, is coming out on Blu-ray. Um, oh, I've, I thought it was going to be bedtime for Bonzo. Is it sad that I've never seen a Ronald Reagan movie? I, I swear to God, I've never seen a movie with him in it. Now, I know it's he's an not actor. like his stuff has been everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I know. I just never. Um, and I think anything else from June 16th? Uh, yeah, nothing. A lot of just old movies. Like, I'm talking old movies being released like or re-released. Like, Mumford is being re-released, which... I know is a movie that not too many people remember, but still, it's just like that's one of the new releases for that week. Mm. Uh, so finally, once we get to July twenty third, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. So we got Alita: Battle Angel, um, and like I talked about on the show last time, is actually getting a three D release included on the four K release, which is a first. Um, so I guess that's cool. We have the Doors: The Final Cut in four K. We have the god awful new Hellboy movie in four K for people in Blu Ray who want to watch that because I don't know why they'd want it now. Um, the Universal Horror Collection Volume 2, and can't tell me if you know any of these movies. These would be from the 30s and 40s. Mm -hmm. uh, Mur Murders in the Zoo, The Mad Ghoul, The Mad Doctor on Market Street, and The Strange Case of Dr. Rx. Don't know any of those. I have not heard of those. I know the first set that they came out with had some stuff, like The Black Cat yeah. is one of the ones that had Lugosi and uh, Karloff in it, which is actually where I came up with the introduction this week. Yeah, but, this seems very obscure, and it's weird, because, you know, they're going in chronological order, which is great, but, like, yeah. it just seems like a weird collection of four that I'd be like, I don't know if anyone... Uh, but we also have Missing Link, which just came out. Interesting enough, not coming out in 4K. I don't think they're able to put it in 4K. I don't know. It's not coming out in 4K. One of the few movies that's new that's not coming out in 4K. Um, Arrow is doing their weird science release, which, again, is the same transfer just with new special features, and honestly, these special features are, I don't know if they're worth it. Um, that's just me going from somebody who's bought that on, like, three formats now. <laughs> um, Do the Right Thing, the Criterion Edition, um, Critters Attack, which is that new Critters movie, which I think is a bunch of TV episodes put together because I think it was a TV show, and it got canceled, and they put it together now as a movie, I think. I'm not 100% on that. Um, and, um, old Gene Arthur and Ray Milland romance movie from 1937 called Easy Living. Don't know what that is. Um, do, 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 do. um, interestingly enough, you can get, uh, oh, here we go. Troop Beverly Hills, the 30th anniversary 
version of it. Um, Shelley Long, and which we mentioned off off. I don't know if it was on. Did you watch it? Did you talk about on air on on air or off air? I don't know. Uh, off air, yeah. Oh, okay, so that doesn't make sense to anyone except us. <laughs> uh, just mention um, that it at the time it was out of print and yes. going for like forty dollars so on Amazon. Re-releasing it. <laughs> 30th anniversary. Shout Factory, or no, Sony actually, is putting out Pacific Heights, a movie I've never heard of, but it's got Michael Keaton, Melanie Griffith, and Matthew Modine in it. Um, I think that's the one where Michael Keaton plays like a fucking killer or serial killer or something strange. Moving along to July 30th, we have The Long Shot already, because I thought that was still in the theaters, not sure. <laughs> um, that uh, Seth Rogen, Charlize Theron movie that was supposed to be not bad, but it got destroyed in the theater and didn't do any business mm-hmm. because no one can believe that a guy like him would ever get a girl like her. <laughs> Sorry. Which is why they called it the long shot. <laughs> oh, I know. But even in the movies, people are just like, nah, this is too much of a, too much of a, a fantasy. Um, that awful movie, Ugly Dolls, is coming out because, you know, people want to rewatch that movie. I'm giving too much <laughs> commentary already, sorry. Quartermass in the Pit um, and Quartermass 2 are both coming out, but not the third one for some reason. Oh, Quartermass uh, in the Pit is the third one. Oh, so it's the second and third one then. That's very yeah. strange. That's Which, uh, bizarre. Well, I they the first one was released by a different company. Oh, uh, okay. Because so I was like, it's weird, because Shout Factory usually, if they can get them, would put them all out. And it's just like, and then the, the, the extras for these are, are actually fantastic um and that's actually part of my in part of the 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 news section but i'm going to jump to it right now since we're talking about them mm-hmm. the, the extras are announced and uh, for quarter mass in the pit new k 2k remaster audio commentary new audio commentary with filmmaker film historian ted newsom new audio commentary with author film historian steve haberman um new interview with a kennedy wood running special effects artist from alien brian johnson new interview with assistant director vintage interview with the director Audio commentary with director, U.S. theatrical trailer when it was where it was called Enemy of Space, <laughs> World of Hammer sci-fi vignette, still gallery, and then for Quartermass Two, we've got new audio commentary with film historian Bruce Hallenbeck, new audio commentary with filmmakers Constantine Nazar, uh, new inter- interview with actor Hugh. F- I-, I swear to God, this is how his name spelled: F-U-T-C-H-E-R. How do you spell that? How do you say that? Wait, what? F-U-T-C-H-E-R. How would you pronounce that? Futker? <laughs> Thank you. Futker? Futker? Fuck. I don't know. <laughs> Are you a gay fucker? <laughs> Interview with Clapper Loader, Trevor Coop, which is one of the greatest things I've ever read. <laughs> And an interview with Focus Puller, like, they got everyone involved in this movie. We've got the fucking clapper loader, the Focus Puller. Hmm. Um, authors, actors, film historians, um, theatrical shows, TV spots, alternate U.S. credits, still gallery. So they, once again, Shot Factory does really well with the special features. Like, they're not just like, hey, we're flapping these movies on Blu-ray. We're like, we're going to put everything into this freaking movies that we put out that we can find. And finally, Glory on 4K and the second Power Rangers theatrical release movie called Turbo, a Power Rangers movie. Which is god awful. Don't watch it. Um, so, and now moving into the actual news of releases, Criterion announced their their September titles, which is first Local Hero, which is a 1983 movie with Burt Lancaster that I'm not too familiar with. 
but um, it's apparently a very good movie if it's Criterion. Um, Charlie Chaplin, The Circus, from 1928, with new 4K digital restoration, which is very cool. Um, uh, Fists in the Pocket, which I believe is from 1965. Um, Clooney Brown, um, which is from 1946. And Polyester, which is from 1981, which I had no idea what it was, but it is a John Waters movie. And new 4K remaster, supervised the director John Wa- Waters with Uncrest Monaural, I don't know how to say it, Monaural soundtrack on the Blu-ray. Audio commentary from the Laserdisc, new conversations with a new program, interviews with the cast and crew in 1993. Um, scratch and sniff odorama cards. So tell me about this, Ken. <laughs> Well, when it came out originally in theaters, they would hand out these scratch and sniff odorama cards to use during the film. So they're recreating <laughs> that experience. It's just I don't think anyone that's younger than us would remember scratch and sniff. Like I remember scratch and sniff stickers as a kid. Like it was a thing. I don't know. I just it's one of those weird things that is like a generational gap. I think. <laughs> um, meanwhile, Warner Archives is announcing their July releases, which is. Bronco Billy with Clint Eastwood, which brand new remaster of the film from 1980. Um, Merrill's Marauders, which is from 1962. The Thin Man, which is a really old movie. I want to say 1930. Yes, it's from the 30s, and it's great. And the only problem is that they're not putting out the whole series. Yes, apparently they actually had even trouble with this by finding the they had to use the best surviving elements to, to get a 4K remaster because it's so old. Um, but um, I, I, so how many how many were there out of the the? Jeez, I want to say there were like six to eight. Oh wow! Okay, I thought it was like two or three. Okay, interesting. And um, Footlight Parade, which is from the year 1933, which is another really old one. And I mean, I give Warner Archive credit because you know there's not a lot of studios that are. As much as we bitch on Warner Brothers, the parent company, Warner Archive, you know, is getting a lot of the stuff that, you know, you probably easier would have been lost to time or not ever seen again. A lot of the stuff where even I don't know what it is, I'm happy that they're putting it out and restoring it. So, and then finally, we have the, where did I find it? Ah, fuck it. I don't know where it is. Um, it was just the, it was a vinegar syndrome shit. I don't care. I'm going to skip it. Okay. Anywho. <laughs> okay. I, I'm just going to specify there were five sequels, so six in the oh. series between 1934 and 1947. Uh, the first one was written by Dashiell Hammett, who was best known for the Maltese Falcon. Right. And it basically ushered in a whole new type of uh, of mystery. Uh, I don't I don't even know what you'd call it. Noir kind of. Noir kind of. Uh, well, it was it was basically a comedy that went that played off of the the two main characters who were a married couple who didn't really have to do anything. Like, the guy right. was a former detective that just got to lay around and drink all day because he <laughs> married uh, this uh, rich woman. And that's all they did was just have fun all the time, and then they kind of got suck, get sucked into a murder plot. And, oh. yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Interesting. Yeah, I, I sometimes feel really stupid. I don't know a lot of these older movies. I was never exposed them or never sought them out or never, you know, 
Um, but that's why you're on the podcast. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that does it for the new release wall for this month. Uh, so what all did you get? For bought for buying. Um, so uh, whew, um, let's see, a lot of stuff that I pre-ordered, and then some like a lot of pre-orders came in. So Batman 4K, Batman Returns 4K, and then I'm just like, you know what? After seeing the Steelbooks in in September and seeing how amazing uh, and reading how amazing the uh, rest, rest uh, the the new the new um, transfer and the sound that they redid the entire um, sound from the ground up, I ended up grabbing Batman Forever and Batman Robin, which I don't really enjoy, but I'm like, you know what? If I'm gonna have all of them, I'm gonna have all of them. So I grabbed those. I got Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which I think we'll probably reveal on Isle of the Damned. Um, I got Crank and Crank 2 because why not? Because I felt like watching those movies and they're on one disc now. Uh, I've got the Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters 2 Steelbook 4K, which uh, is amazing. I will say the, 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 the bonus disc is just fantastic. I watched the 47-minute Oprah Winfrey show from 1989 promoting Ghostbusters 2. It, it's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Almost worth the price of purchase. Um that made no sense. Price was that? Yeah, I guess it's better. Um, I got Bad Times at the El Royale because I had not seen it yet. And it was, I think, 10 bucks or 8 bucks on Blu-ray. And I was like, yoink. Um, I got Excess Baggage, even though it came two, day late, two days later than they said it was going to come. And then I got Captain Marvel, the 4K Steelbook from Best Buy, which I got early because it's Best Buy. And because, Kent, you bought this a couple months ago, and I saw it, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to buy it. I got the Christine Nugan collection <laughs> of win, Amazon. Win. So there we go. What did you? What have you bought this month? All right, well, I got a few different things. I got yep. uh, the Thrilling Adventure Hour Live, which I've been listening to the podcast for a while now. There's like 200-some episodes, and I'm about halfway through the whole thing. Uh, and it, it varies between different things. There are two things they do every show. Because what it was is they did a monthly live show in mm. L.A. And they would record it and they would split it into three episodes of a, a podcast. And one of them was always Sparks, Nevada, Marshall on Mars. Uh, <laughs> which is like an old 50s style cowboy show. Only it takes place on Mars. And uh, instead of, like, Tonto or whatever, he has a Martian companion named Croach the Tracker. <clears throat> and uh, a lot of times there would be another character called Cactoid Jim, who is the king of the Martian frontier, who is played by Nathan Fillion. Oh. And he's fantastic. Uh, the other one that they always did is called Beyond Belief, which, funny we were just talking about the Thin Man. It's basically the Thin Man but with the supernatural and with the elements of alcoholism cranked to 11. <laughs> and in this case, they're played by Paul F. Tompkins and Paget Brewster, and they are amazing together. Uh, Paget Brewster, of course, you should know from the last season of Community, and she's done a lot of voice work like Bird Girl on uh, Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law, and she's just been in a lot of stuff. I, she was in yeah. one of those CBS procedurals for a while. And, she was, yeah. Yeah. So that that's my personal favorite segment. And then in the middle, they rotate between stuff like uh, Colonel TikTok of Her Majesty's Royal Chrono Patrol and uh, Amelia Earhart 
Fearless Flyer, where she travels through time fighting Nazis. Captain Laserbeam, which has John DiMaggio, the voice of Bender, as a superhero. And it's all just a lot of fun. And they basically filmed one of the shows that they did, and they released it as a concert film. And it's got like Nathan Fillion in it, it's got Clark Gregg from the Marvel films, it's got Janet Varney from, she like voiced Korra on Legend of Korra, she's done riff track stuff, uh, Scott Ackerman from Comedy Bang Bang, James Urbaniak from The Venture Brothers, stuff like that. It's just a lot of fun to actually see the stuff, because a lot of times when you're listening to the show, you'll hear people laughing and you won't know why, and it's because you, somebody's interacting on stage, whatever. Mm. <laughs> so it, it's nice to actually see what uh, they did for 10 years out in L.A. and occasionally in New York and almost never anyplace else. So that's fun. I also got my... Blu-ray set of Mystery Science Theater 3000 Season 12, a.k.a. The Gauntlet, the <laughs> Pledge Drive Edition, because I had ordered it when they went on and they did the thing where they're like, yeah, so Netflix ordered another series, and you don't have to give us any money, but if you do, we could probably make an even better show. So basically what they did is like pre-orders on Blu-rays and DVDs and stuff and put that money into the show, which is great. That's cool. Yeah. Apparently I should have ordered more than one of them because somebody's selling theirs for 150 bucks on eBay and it's the only listing. But <laughs> All right, as far as my pre-orders go, stuff that I got uh, that I had just bought early uh, monolith monsters from scream factory came today 50 sci-fi film that doesn't actually have a monster it's uh, just it's almost more like a sci-fi natural disaster film which is kind of cool it's very different from the uh the usual 50s sci-fi film of that era i also got excess baggage from mill creek i have not seen it since the theater so i'm looking forward to revisiting <laughs> that one I also got uh, the Ghostbusters 1 and 2 4K uh, pack with the new special features because the first Ghostbusters is my favorite movie of all time. And the Captain Marvel steelbook from Best Buy. So maybe I'll just leave it in the shrink wrap and sell it for way more money later on since people seem to do that. And then uh, as far as things that I just ordered because I felt like getting them, I, I got another Thunderbean release called Kipling's Women, which is like a 1961 exploitation film that's an early nudie film, which I think is hilarious. Finally watched 1941 for the first time, which Spielberg's infamous comedy about... Los Angeles after Pearl Harbor, and man, that movie just wants to be, it's a mad, 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 mad world in the worst way, but he just can't pull it off. Still, the fact that there's a scene of Toshiro Mifune, Christopher Lee, and Slim Pickens together just cracks me up, <laughs> because... You've got Mifune as this submarine commander off the coast of California who's uh, trying to strike a blow against uh, the American military before he goes back to Japan. And Christopher Lee is a Nazi who represents the German government who sold them the submarine. And then Slim Pickens is just this Christmas tree farmer that they catch on the beach and kidnap him to try to find out where Hollywood is. 
It's ridiculous. It's not as bad as its reputation suggests, but at the same time, it's not what I would call a good movie. Yeah. So, but it's really interesting, and I am going to watch the director's cut one of these days, which is a half hour longer, just to see if it makes a difference. I think the weirdest thing in here is basically that Treat Williams plays a soldier who is uh, kind of a rape machine, I think is a good way to put it. So that's really weird. And okay. uh, Dan Aykroyd's giving speeches about how he can't stand to see Americans fighting Americans in its Canadian accent. <laughs> like the most Canadian actor ever. But... Yeah, it's it, it was definitely worth watching, so I'm glad I picked it up for the seven bucks or whatever it was on Amazon. But all right, so I think that's about it for the new release wall. But we will get into some of this stuff in the return slot. I have to return some videotapes. Brian, what have you been watching? So, a bunch of stuff. To start, it's weird that you talked about um, that podcast at the beginning as recommendations. So, I don't remember how familiar you are with this, but... So, when they put Star Wars on the original trilogy, not mm -hmm. the prequels, on... on uh, I was going to say Blu-ray, on DVD for the first time, and I want to say 2003, 2004, whatever it was, mm -hmm. they included, which is so far the only... I, I, as far as I found, the only way to get this documentary, the Ken Burns Empire of Dreams documentary that's like almost three hours long, that was like a comprehensive making of the three movies down to everything. And they talk about, and so I stupidly don't have the DVDs because I'm like, oh, I'm going to sell them when I got the Blu-rays because I was stupid. And plus the DVDs still have the stupid re-shot Lucas shit anyways. So I ended up finding the bonus disc on eBay that someone was selling from the set for like 15 bucks. So I bought it mm -hmm. because I want to documentary. And it's funny all those stories that you're talking about, like they talk about like how Lucas was hanging out with Brian De Palma and like Spielberg and, and they show a lot of the, the screen tests and about how every studio basically they have people from Universal and Warner Brothers and I was talking about how like they thought the movie was a complete piece of shit. Even hearing the ideas in the script, you know, it didn't make sense because up until then the only science fiction movie that had any made any money was 2001 and that was a completely different thing and it's a really really well done documentary and i i really i'm sure most people have seen it but i have not seen it in at least since 2003 or 4 so i've forgotten most of it and it's just it's a really really good documentary they talked to everyone involved in any of those three star wars movies that was still alive at that time obviously um i'll tell you what struck me listening to it and the difference mm -hmm. between that and Keep in mind, I am a fan of the prequel trilogy. I like that it's sort of a distilled version of Lucas and what he wanted to do in the first place. But I think the difference is that back in the late 70s, Lucas actually listened to people because when they told him that things were shitty. Because right. He, uh, because he had a lot of self-doubt and they were probably being too hard on him, but he at least uh, took it as criticism. And yeah. then by the time that the prequel trilogy rolled around, he was not really having to listen to anybody, and people just right. told him, yeah, right. George, that sounds great. Well, yeah, he had all his yes-men that were like, yeah, George, oh, yeah, dude, what? oh, yeah, you want to have, um, you know, Hayden Christensen, yeah, he, oh, he's a great actor, yeah, have him play the main, yeah, oh, yeah, great. I mean, they. he talks about how, they. other people talk about it, Spielberg, how when American Graffiti was made, before it came out, 
they had a screening, and I think it was Universal that put it out, where it's like, this movie's a piece of shit. No one's going to, this movie's not going to make any money, and that's why they turned down Star Wars, and, because he had already written Star Wars before. And then, of course, American Graffiti came out, and it made a lot of money. And then they're like, oh, well, it's just because that's just a, it's a basic teen movie that no one, he wasn't exactly a well-known filmmaker that had, he had made the student film THX and all that stuff. So, but it's really interesting. You know, they talk, they spend a good 45 minutes to an hour on just like, even before production begins on episode four and they go through, you know, they, you see, you see everyone and their brother. So you see, you can see Kurt Russell for Han Solo, which William Katz and greatest American hero as, as uh, Luke Skywalker. It, it's kind of funny. And, um, and when you see the screen test, man, it's like Carrie Fisher, Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford. There's no way anyone else could have played those characters. It's, mm-hmm. it's incredible, but I digress. It's a good. It's a good thing to. It's a shame that they did not carry that over to the Blu-rays or whatever. Why it's not being able to be? Yeah. You know. Well, I, I, I got it. my fingers crossed that when Disney does the 4K stuff, since they bought Fox, that hopefully we'll get both the special edition and the original. Yeah, because right now, to the be honest, young... I actually do think that the special edition of Empire is an improvement. Yes, I would. I don't argue with that. Return of the Jedi and Star Wars are both just not improvements, in my opinion. We can get into that. That would be a whole other 20-minute conversation. But um, um, I did also watch Last Action Hero, which I had not seen in about 15 years, which that's such a movie that I know at the time it, it almost, like, destroyed uh, everyone who worked on it, and it was, like, this huge bomb, and no one understood it. But it was so ahead of its time, I feel, because it was such a meta movie, and... Um, and it was one of those things where it's like, I don't think it was appreciated at the time. And I, I, I still enjoy that movie way more than I should probably. <laughs> I rewatched Tremors 2 through 4, or actually watched Tremors 2 for the, rewatched Tremors 2, saw Tremors 3 and 4 for the first time ever. And man, 3 and 4, I think 4 is quite possibly the worst, where it's a prequel set in the uh, Civil War era, and uh, you've got Michael Gross still playing the same character, but he's like a great, 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 great ancestor of his character. <laughs> it's, just, it's really bad. Nonetheless, uh, I also watched Bumblebee, which I had not watched, even though I bought it whenever it came out, freaking mm-hmm. April, whenever, March. And I really like that movie it really i i i can't say that about any other transfer movies uh holding up but i, I really like bumblebee um and then of course the the one that i that blew me away the most and that's again i know you don't like this movie can't but too bad but batman the 30th anniversary 4k uh the amount of work it, that went back into making this movie look like it they did so much and this is just the blu-ray i'm not i don't have a 4k player so i don't know what the 4k looks like but mm-hmm. just it looks like a brand new movie i mean the colors pop the the shadow detail the the it's just everything is so vibrant the they turn the brightness up and not to the extent where you're thinking it was bright but the you gotta understand this movie when it was put on vhs and Laserdisc, and then just ported over to, D- to DVD the first time, it was just a VHS rip, and the Blu-rays in 2009 were not done any sort of remastering. It looked pretty dank, and yes, that was what it was supposed to be, but you couldn't say, this looks like uh, just the most amazing, it's like a new movie to me. So I, yeah, I, some people are upset because they quote-unquote changed some of the sound effects because you know, mm-hmm. the, the, some of the guns that sounded like, pop guns back in the DA now have like a deeper real gunshot sound doesn't bother me but I can understand how 
it could bother some people. So maybe to those people, I would say don't get this 4K version. But um, just the, the movie just looks incredible. And they poured over all the special features, which are still some of the best special features that Warner Brothers has ever done. Um, so, and actually, I heard that the, the reason I got the rest of them was that the 1989 movie is actually out of the four, probably one that looks it looks great, but the others are even more spectacular, especially Batman and Robin, they said, which I guess had the mm-hmm. worst Blu-ray transfer and worst DVD transfer. And I know it's a shitty movie, but it's great to see that Warner Brothers actually went back and yeah. put some money into these and actually like restored them. So no matter what you think of these movies, they were the Batman movies of the late 80s, early 90s, you know, to the, the mid, late 90s, and a part of my childhood in my life. Mm-hmm. So... Well, it, Here's kind of what gets me, and I, I don't think it should have been that difficult, but I, I, if they want to go back and redo the sound, great, go ahead and do it. But I think that if you're doing that, you should also include the original soundtrack as an right. option. That's always yes. my opinion. No, I, I agree, and I think that the fact that they didn't is kind of is kind of shitty. But I will say that the the new sounds just gunshots aside, um, <laughs> which will be you know is con is the controversial. Everything else is the the Danny Elfman score sounds the best it's ever sounds. You know, even the Prince songs, which I'm not a fan of, they sound amazing. Everything you can hear, like just so much more than you could ever hear before. And again, I'm not using. Oh, surround, I'm using a sound bar, so I can only imagine what it sounds like. If you, you know, it's it's Dolby Atmos, Altmos, whatever you say, however you pronounce it, and like everything is clear, it just sounds fantastic. It's definitely like reference quality, audio and visual. And again, this is so like for them to to get this finally on Blu-ray and 4K in this format is just it's it's probably still my favorite Batman movie. So say what you will, um, but um, I absolutely was blown away by it. So. Um, that's that's pretty much all I watched though this week uh, or this month I should say. Um, a lot of other stuff just been catching up on like TV and other random things. But Kent, what about you? Well, uh, I'll talk about some of the things that I did not uh, discuss on the new release wall here. Some of the things I watched. First of all, I watched the Doctor Goldfoot movies. Now those are from American International Pictures from 1965 and 1966. They start Vincent Price, which is the whole reason I watched them. Mm. I'm not going to say either of them is a good movie to start with. Now, the first, Dr. Goldfoot and the Bikini Machine, uh, is about Vincent Price as a supervillain who's creating robot girls and getting them to seduce rich men to steal all of their wealth and all that sort of stuff. And it's played up as a big spy spoof, since that was popular at the time, while also spoofing the AIP beach movies, because you know, they put out right. Beach Party and stuff like that. And in fact, the stars of the movie, besides Vincent Price, one of them is Frankie Avalon, and the other one is the guy who played Dobie Gillis. Ah, and they also ape Price's Roger Corman Poe movies. Like, there's a scene where they basically do the pit and the pendulum. And they're weird, but it has, like, a definite plot and a through line. And it gets a little tiring when they think that just showing things in fast motion is hilarious. Mm. but uh, at the same time, there's some interesting stuff, and it's a nice little time capsule in there. Now, the second one, Dr. Goldfoot and the Girl Bombs, 
is uh, directed by Italian director Mario Bava, who also did some movies I genuinely like, like Kaltiki the Immortal Monster, which is sort of a precursor to The Blob, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Like He's done some really cool stuff. This is a freaking turd, man. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, Here's okay. Here's the weird story behind this movie. It's an Italian-American co-production where an Italian company wanted to make a sequel to a movie that they had starring this Italian comedy team called Franco and Ciccio, who are basically like an Italian Abbott and Costello if you took away any ounce of charm or humor. They're as bad as some of those uh, comedy teams they had that were trying to do Martin and Lewis back in the 50s. Uh, that were just, like, doing the yeah. same shtick, but without being funny at all. They're about as funny as a case of polio. They are just terrible. <laughs> uh, and American International Pictures said, well, I tell you what, we'll help finance this thing if we can ma- also make it a sequel to our Dr. Goldfoot movie. So it's actually a sequel to both Dr. Goldfoot and the Bikini Machine and this Italian movie about those two characters. They mash up. <laughs> And it's filmed in the same way that a lot of those Italian films at the time were. Like, one of the other things I watched recently was I rewatched For a Few Dollars More, the sequel to uh, Fistful of Dollars with uh, Clint Eastwood, Lee Van Cleef, which is my favorite of the trilogy. It's fantastic. But the way that they filmed those was all of the people would use their whatever voice that they spoke in natively, and they would go back and they would dub all the voices, even Clint East would, would go back and dub his own voice because they filmed it mm. without sound. Right. And you can tell that this one is filmed the same way and that everything is looped and it it's so weird and it makes the comedy even worse. It just, it makes absolutely no goddamn sense whatsoever, <laughs> even as a comedy. So yeah, that one is definitely just a complete stinker. I would only recommend it to Bava Completists, or, or Vincent Price Completists, of which I'm sort of steering into the second one. Yeah, not good at all. A, a few interesting visuals, but that's it. Like, the the funniest thing in the movie is that they ha- is that he has a couple of Asian sidekicks, and one of them's called Hard Job. Like, that's, that's what this movie aspires to. <laughs> so... <laughs> All right. When it comes to better movies, I watched Criterion's release of Silence of the Lambs, which oh, is an excellent nice. presentation. I had not seen that movie in a long time, and man, I gotta say, it's like this accidental masterpiece that was just meant to be an exploitation movie. It's the weirdest thing because it is basically wannabe Hitchcock horror film. Mm. Like it takes a lot of stuff from Psycho and stuff like that in terms of like the killer's motivation stuff like that, but Jonathan Demme just kind of lucked his way into making this amazing film. Sort of like uh, I have not read the book, so I can't say if the movie is better than the book. But just off the top of my head, it makes me think of like Jaws, mm. where the movie is basically the book is basically trash, and then mm. the movie turned it into this incredible story right. so, it, uh, so I have no idea if, if it's actually like that or not because I've not read the book but like that's the first thing that springs to mind when I look at how good this movie is and, and what the subject matter is speaking of exploitation I also watched Dracula AD 1972 
Nice. Which was Hammer's update of the Dracula films. This was like the fifth or sixth one, and it was the first one since, I think, the first movie that actually had Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing both in it. And it has Dracula coming back to life after a hundred years, and Peter Cushing plays his own descendant as Van Helsing, and it's not very good, but it once again, it's kind of an interesting time capsule. Mm. I, I kind of wish that it didn't have 15 minutes of filler with these hippie kids uh, being assholes at the beginning and, and, and like partying around all these uh, stiff upper lip proper British people while they listen to a terrible 70s rock band. But what are you going to do? There's actually some interesting performances in it, though. There's some cool ideas in it. So if you've watched the Dracula movies up to that point, which I think I have seen all of them to this point, yeah, I, I, you might as well keep watching them through this one. Mm. Uh, I rewatched X-Men Apocalypse after seeing Dark Phoenix, which we will review in the next episode of Isle of the Damned. And my opinion remains very much the same. As I as it was when I saw it, I think people who think it's terrible are kind of underrating it. I think that it's a perfectly good film that's got some issues, but at least it shows me some neat things and some stuff I haven't seen from the X Men before. Some some cool new stuff. Yeah, it's not. <clears throat> it's hard for me to say anything without. Not, I'm not going to try to compare it because I don't. I was about to say anything, but mm-hmm. no, you're right. And it's 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 funny you mention it because after I saw Dark Phoenix as well, it was actually on TV, um, and I mm-hmm. caught like the last three quarters of it or two and a half, um, mm-hmm. and I was like, you know what? I I feel kind of the same way. It, it it's it's not a bad movie, and I know there's a lot of people that hate it and that are true X Men fans that hate it. But it's like, mm-hmm. you know, taking the whole Brian Singer thing out where I know he's enemy, hated enemy number one. I think that um, it's a fine, you know, I get, oh, it's not the apocalypse that people wanted to see. Or, yes, the story is not is not the best, but it, it's it's far more of a movie that is, you know, like you said, it shows you some stuff. And I, I still don't think it's a terrible movie. There, There's, you know, much worse X-Men movies out there that they've made, so... Definitely, and and we will talk about Dark Phoenix yeah. next one. I think we may actually have some differing opinions on that, at least to a degree, but we will get to that later. Uh, speaking of movies that I've uh, reassessed after seeing them uh, in the theater, Aquaman, still feel the same about that. It's mm-hmm. totally doofy, but it's still pretty damn fun. Like, it knows it, what it is, and it goes for it. It's still the best Aquaman movie they were ever going to make, because it's Aquaman. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like yes. that's the thing. I feel the same way. It, it's completely, you know, the 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 acting isn't good. It's way over the top. But like you're making an Aquaman movie, it's just like it's probably the best you're ever going to get for an Aquaman movie. Like if there's yeah. not if the parameter is like, okay, well that that that's probably your best you're ever going to. You know, I mean they tried. So I saw. <laughs> yeah, people people don't like to admit this, but Aquaman is a shit character. Right. Like, it's, like there's like, a reason why he's been a joke so long, and there's only two versions of the character that I have any affinity for. One is the movie version, the dude bro guy, which at least gives <laughs> him man. a personality. Yeah. And the other one is the fantastic version from Batman Brave and the Bold, which is just over the top. It's John DiMaggio, who I was talking about earlier uh, from Thrilling Adventure Hour and Futurama. And 
Yeah, he he like made his catchphrase outrageous. Yeah, he's like a. I don't even know how to describe him. He's like a pulp character that has been integrated into this world. He's just like so enthusiastic. Oh God, I I can't even describe what I love about him. But he's just fantastic. Speaking of superhero films, I I don't normally talk about these in the podcast, but I am going to mention this just because of, I, I find the story super interesting. So, Brian, you know that it's a pretty common joke that we have actually made several times about uh, porn parodies for superheroes actually having better costumes than yes. the movies in a lot of cases. Yes, and production value, <laughs> yes. Yes. What's amazing to me is how they do all this and don't get sued. And the reason for that is because in, I want to say the late 70s, there was a film made uh, called Superwoman that was uh, later changed to Miss Magnificent. And the reason it was changed to Miss Magnificent is because this was an adult parody of Superman. And Vinegar Syndrome has released the film the only way that they could, which is the modified version after Mm. the lawsuit and what they did is they basically just went in and cut the references that were parodies of DC comics. And the thing is, this is a straight out parody that you can tell that's exactly what it's trying to be. It's not like a lot of the, uh, the modern ones where like I, I, at one point I saw something about an X-Files one that called it a dark parody, which means they were just doing X-Files without any, without making it a parody. It was just yeah. Mulder and Scully having sex. <laughs> right. Like, well, that's not what a parody is. Yeah. I, I yeah. <laughs> but this was a parody. It's protected by the First Amendment. But DC sued them, and they won. So they changed the name, and the most interesting thing about it is they had like a similar logo on her costume. So they actually went back, and I don't know if it was a print or the original negative or what, but they drew over on the film itself the the logo so it's like this weird sharpie looking diamond symbol like the the superman logo that will just go across the screen when she like has her back to the camera it's the weirdest thing wow that is pretty that is that's actually pretty funny though cuz like the amount of that they put out nowadays and you think back then it's like with the exception of the superman movie there was not like a lot to superheroes weren't exactly maybe the adam the batman adam west but it's like there wasn't exactly a a, a thing where you know superheroes were an in thing that they were like yeah let's we're now it's just like obviously yeah, i, I, I want to say one of the characters like yeah. lois lay or something like that and they even cut like the last name and just and that's the thing is like they wow. like anything that's a parody of an existing Superman property, they just like cut the sound out when somebody says it. That's so, so it's weird. This, That's... Yeah, it's the weirdest thing. So That's yeah, just... if you are over the age of eighteen and this sounds at all interesting to you, uh, you can get that at Vinegar Syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. Yeah, it is a strange thing. Uh, so I'm just going to finish with a few uh, martial arts films. I finished the original Street Fighter trilogy with Return of the Street Fighter and Street Fighter's Last Revenge. I think Return of the Street Fighter might be my favorite of the trilogy. 
It's uh, got some of the folks back from the original. The fights are still really crazy and violent, but not quite the same level as in the first one where they like he ripped off a guy's wang with his bare hands. So, uh, and then Street Fighter's Last Revenge is very interesting in that it's still entertaining, but it wasn't written as a Street Fighter film. It was just written as something else, and then they put him into it. So it may actually have one of the best plots, but it doesn't necessarily feel like it lines up completely with the first two. Like, it feels almost more like they put him in an episode of Mission Impossible or something. Hmm. So it's like uh, it's like how none of the Die Hard sequels started out as Die Hard movies. Right. They're all just adapted to star John right. McClane. Right. So, yeah, uh, but I definitely recommend Shout's uh, box set of those. Now I get to watch the Sister Street Fighter movies, uh, now that I'm done with the originals, which... Uh, don't actually have anything to do with the Street Fighter movies except that Sonny Chiba appears in a different role. So, all right. And lastly, I watched the Eureka release from uh, the UK of Jackie Chan's Wheels on Meals. This is a film directed by Sammo Hung, his uh, fellow actor, and uh, basically at, at a certain point, uh, he and Sammo Hung and a third guy named uh, Yuan Bao were in a bunch of movies in the 80s that are pretty well regarded. And in this one, uh, Chan and Bao run a food truck in Barcelona, Spain. Yes, they actually filmed it on location. So it's a movie that takes place in Spain where everybody speaks Mandarin Chinese. Uh, and then uh, they get embroiled with this plot where some folks are trying to kidnap a girl, and Sammo Hung is a uh, private detective who's also trying to find her, and he's friends with the two of them. So uh, it's mostly regarded for its fights, including a fight between Jackie Chan and Benny the Jet Urquidez, which is considered to be one of the best fights of his career oh, and wow. yeah it's definitely worth watching i had a great time with this movie finally watching it it's it's one of those movies that's kind of been on the fringes of my uh, perimeter for years and i just had not gotten around to watching it mm. and yeah it's a lot of fun it's a it's a comedy so and jackie chan of course is great at doing the action comedy thing I would definitely recommend seeing it. This is a movie that actually made $23 million at the U.S. box office. Wow. Which is a makes it a huge hit, and yet it still seemed like it's such a fringe thing when I was growing up. Like, I'd never heard of it. I never saw it at the video store or anything like that. It wasn't until I had a friend in college who really knew a lot about Jackie Chan and martial arts films that mm. I even heard of it, so... Yeah, uh, if you have a multi-region player, I definitely recommend picking up their release. Hopefully somebody else will put it out in this country at some point, but it's a weird thing that all of these Jackie Chan and martial arts films are getting released in the UK on Blu-ray, and almost none of them are coming out in the US, although uh, the Police Story 1 and 2 films just got 
released by Criterion here in the last right. couple of months, and it's on my list when Barnes & Noble has their next 50% off Criterion sale. I'm definitely picking those up. So Very cool. Very, very good. Um, all right. Yeah, I think that's just about it for this week. Brian, what all do you need to plug? Nothing I can think of. My brain, <laughs> as I as I have a stroke now. Um, follow us on Facebook at um, Isle of the Damned. Uh, our Instagrams are Xander Harris 2981 and Kent is Kent Ramon. Um, I think that's pretty much it at this point. Yeah. Well, be sure to tune in for our next episode of Isle of the Damned. We're going to review, among other things, uh, The Dead Don't Die, X-Men Dark Phoenix. We're going to review Men in Black International. Uh, what all else is Toy Story 4? I'm sure we'll get to yeah. that one before the next episode. Is there anything I'm forgetting? Um, I don't think so. I think Toy Story 4 is the next bit. Is I don't think there's anything... Uh, I don't think so. I'm like, as I'm trying to equip it. No, I think, I think, I think, I think that's, I think that should be it. Um, Annabelle, if you're seeing Annabelle, that might be Annabelle comes home. I'll right? admit the trailer has me a lot more interested in that movie, knowing that the Warrens from the Conjuring movies are actually yeah. in it. Yeah, but yeah, the, that's that's pretty much it. Because then we hit Spider Man, so um, that brings us to July. So. That will be. We'll all discuss that stuff on the next episode of Isle of the Damned. Some good, some bad, some ugly. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. We'll see because uh, so far things are not looking promising. Hopefully. Until then, we bid you adieu. Adieu, adieu to you and you and you. Remember, great entertainment awaits you weekends and weekdays. I'm yeah, not. I, I just would like to thank the Dickies for recording that theme song and then Matthew Vaughn for putting it in kick ass. <laughs> that was um wasn't it on the Saturday morning cartoon? Do you remember when they did that that album in like the mid nineties where rock and or punk bands did remakes of the Saturday morning cartoon songs? Or am I hallucinating? Hold on. Yeah, nineteen ninety five. Hold on, I gotta find this. So they have Matthew Sweet doing Scooby Doo, Where Are You? Oh yeah, they I have, have that. They, yeah, and they have they have like Sublime doing Hong Kong Fooey. Like I just remember. Yes, <laughs> which is just bizarre. But okay, uh, Liz Fair with, materi- with material issue doing the Trolla Law song. Sponge doing Go Speed Racer Go. Mary Lou Lord with Semi Sonic doing Sugar Sugar. Juliana Hatfield and Tanya Donnelly doing the Josie and the Pussycats theme. Collective Soul doing the Bugaloos. That's Underdog by the Butthole Surfers. Uh, they use the Ramones cover of Spider-Man. Yeah. Reverend Horton Heat doing Johnny Quest and Stop That Pigeon, which Reverend Horton Heat doing Johnny Quest is actually amazing. Uh, Frente, exclamation point, doing Open Up Your Heart and Let the Sunshine In. Does anybody remember them at all? I'm curious. Nope. I had no idea what they... Because they basically... Their only hit was that cover they did of... Um, like that... Was it New Order song? I, I have uh, no idea. Shit. What was the name of it? 
Uh, Bizarre Love Triangle. Oh. Yeah, that was in 94, yeah. Yeah, let me... So they, that was why they were on the <laughs> Every time I think of you, I get a shot okay. right through into a bolt of blue. Yeah, and, like, it was one of those, wait, that's a hit song? <laughs> <laughs> Times. Like, not that it's bad, but it's literally just her singing over an acoustic guitar. Um, okay, uh, Violent Femmes doing Eep Op Orc Ah Ah. <laughs> Dig doing the Fat Albert theme. Uh, punk band Face to Face doing on Popeye the Sailor Man. That's fantastic, actually. <laughs> Tripping Daisy doing Sigmund and the Sea Monsters. What the fuck? This is the... <laughs> the Toadies doing uh, the Groovy Ghoulies theme. Sublime doing Hong Kong Fui. The Murmurs doing HR Puff and Stuff. And uh, Perennial Favorites Wax doing Happy yes. Happy Joy Joy. Wow, I... Don't know why. I don't think I even knew any of the barely any of the bands in 1995 because I was 14. But that was definitely my like introduction to the Ramones. Sadly, <laughs> was that probably? Hey, I'll take it because that is a very Ramones thing. Because I vaguely, I, I want to say they promoted it in a in a Marvel comic or a comic book, and I was like, oh, and like I just remember having. I think I had it on cassette, even Jesus Christ. And, um, yeah, I, I, I know it's way out of print, but I just remember listening to it and thinking it was awesome. Because, like, I remember these songs not knowing any of the fucking people singing them, with the exception, I think Sponge was on the fucking Mallrats soundtrack, along with Wax. But, um, like, I knew some of the, but, yeah, Collector Soul I probably knew. But, yeah, it, such a weird idea. Mm. <laughs> like, alt-rock, punk bands, let's do this. All right. Let's see what they're selling it for on Amazon. Uh, right. You can get it used from three sixty-five <laughs> or new from forty dollars. Yeah, this and you can also them. buy the Schoolhouse Rock Rocks compilation <laughs> for fifty-four dollars new. Was Liz Fair still make music? Sorry, I, had to look this up. I didn't even know that they put this out on vinyl. That somebody's selling a copy for sixty-five dollars. You put it on vinyl? I didn't know that either. I just figured CD and cassette on ninety-five. Who the fuck would have? I mean, wow. All right, fair, fair enough. But yeah, I listened to the shit out of this song, uh, this album. Yeah, I, 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 I did too. Honestly, I, it was more because I like. I know all these songs, and then I was like, these songs are pretty badass, and then, I, yeah, it introduced me to the Ramones, like I said. So. Well, to be honest, the more I think about it, the more I'm pretty sure that that was my first introduction to Ramones, too, and I find I I nothing wrong with that, because that is such a Ramones thing to do. Because <laughs> I honestly, I'm pretty sure I'd never heard anything of theirs, I'd be very surprised if I had heard anything of theirs before that. Think about all the kids whose introduction to the Ramones is the new Spider-Man. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's a very good point. Because, yeah, they were... They, what they, they, they released an album in the mid-90s, I think, right? But I, I was not into that. that I, I don't think I knew who they were. It was up at the end of their, their uh, career. Yeah, they... Well, they started dying off in the late nineties. That's what I was saying. Like, it must. I'm pretty sure they probably released an album around that time. This time, but like, I, I definitely wouldn't have known of it. Like, I didn't. Not something on my. I want to say the last one was Acid Eaters or something. Yeah. No. Yeah. Ninety three. 
Uh, Adios Amigos was 95. Oh, there we go. Yeah. And I think that's the one that had uh, the song they used in Shazam. Oh, yeah. I forgot they used the Ramon song in Shazam. (laughs) I want to grow up. Yep, that was, Which that they was didn't even write, but it sounds like such a pure Ramon it song does. that you wouldn't even think that. And the bonus track on it was Spider-Man. 